Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid lazy negativity, we decided to make this episode a drinking game. Oh, did we? I had no idea. Oh. So anytime we say anything negative at all, you're going to hear this sound. That sound means that we're taking a drink and we hope you drink along with us. So pour yourselves a glass. We're going to talk about a movie where they see God and it's a giant spider and doesn't that fucking figure. <laughs> you took my joke, Dave. I, I have written down. I was going to say, I was going to say, Dave, you, God is a fuck spider for you too, right? <laughs> I guess um, you um, took it right yeah. off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. That's great. I don't know uh, who well, hit that before I did, but I was reaching. <laughs> well, guys, we're guys, we're getting saucy here with the pre-show shot as we've just taken to get us into this week's episode where we talk about 1961 the films that came out that year, and then we're going to highlight a little Ingmar Bergman film film that you may or may not have heard of. You probably have. You people listening to this know you signed up for John's film class here at USC or elsewhere <laughs> around the world, and yeah. we are ready to get into some Bergman. Now, now 30 California listeners are in his class. It's Hell yeah! <laughs> oh, they're ready. Yeah, and then all I the wish. Swedes who hate beaches with sand. Rocky beaches only for our listeners to talk about through a glass darkly. Mark Bergman's 1961 film. What would Anakin Skywalker do on that beach? <laughs> uh, just look down and then look up and down and look. All right. We're going to do some, maybe some gripes and then uh, maybe a mini review or two before we get into this featured segment. But first we have to shout out our sponsors. John, you want to go ahead and take it away and shout our sponsors out. Sure, we got a man who yes. makes beer, and his name is Carlos Barozzo. If you want to give him a follow, it's cbarozzo.beer on the gram. Go over there, like him, love his posts. Uh, he's always making some beer and sharing some fun beer-making, beer-loving uh, shenanigans there on the on the Instagram. Give him a follow. And we have a musician, artist-in-residence. Perhaps you've heard him on this podcast, the artist Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can find that music available on all the usual music platforms, uh, just made it into some really sweet playlists on uh, Spotify. If you want to check them out there, uh, yeah, man. You have so, you have a fun gripe for us, or did you see anything this week? Or uh, it's it's uh, I think it's I don't know how funny it is, but I certainly have a gripe for sure. Do, just, how about many reviews this week? I know I don't think any of us saw the uh, Hunger Games movie. I, was I did not have it, time. But... I was gonna try, but I I literally didn't have time this week. I was doing a lot of work. Same kids in the show, kids in the show this week kind of caught me off guard. Um, next week's Napoleon, though, so definitely have a mini review for that. So be six <laughs> for Napoleon. <laughs> yeah, you will. I may or may not um, it's a little be, dating, guy. be dating someone who spent some time on a set with Joaquin Phoenix. So uh, definitely um, rooting for him. Rooting not for much, this film. Not much dancing in Napoleon, day. I imagine. Hey, 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 you don't want to, no, you don't want to give shit away. God, can I be honest with you? And I, I say this with so much love and respect. I hope they surprise me. But I am not excited at all for a musical version of the sequel of Joker. And I hope I'm wrong. And Joker I hope it's fucking brilliant. Um, but I just feel like that is um, well, a I don't, bomb waiting to go off. So I don't know much. I don't know anything. What I what I am going to guess is it's, that it, it's yeah. not as much of a musical as people it's, think. It's I, either, my guess yeah. is a couple of but I really don't know. I it's really either going to be fucking brilliant or a glorious misstep. Yeah. No I'm middle sad. ground. No I middle ground at all. I know that. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be fun. All right. A, I have a mini review. All right. Um. Let's do the mini review first. What uh? Would you go see at the cinema here this week, John? So technically, it wasn't at the cinema because this is one okay. of those times where a good movie that I think if this was in another uh, period of time, this would. I think this would have done well in the cinema. It's a movie that went straight to Netflix called 
Reptile. It stars mm. Benicio del Toro, Justin Timberlake, and um, God, what is uh, what is her name? Um, Alicia Silverstone, dude. Whoa, I haven't seen her in a movie in a long time. She's there. Eric Bogosian, uh, mm. Michael Pitt, he was fantastic. A lot of names nice. in here. Directed by uh, Grant Singer, who has done a. I don't think this is his first feature, but he's done a lot of like really big music videos. Um, anyway, this is that. a cop drama. Sorry, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, no, no. He's he's. I mean, he's really killing it. And this is this is a cop drama. It's like a straight up solving a mystery, but like a really really good one. <laughs> that is like <laughs> a directed film. It's not just the mystery on the page, and you're watching actors you know say the lines and play the scenes. You can really tell from the first sequence. He he directed this movie. It's when was this released? Just recently. So it's a, uh, it came it's out a brand in new film. Great. It's pretty much brand new. And uh, so, again, so, I think when you guys watch it, you'll be like, dude, if this was like even 10 years ago, this would have gone to the theaters and it probably would have made its budget back. I don't, you know, I don't know if it would have been, if it would have knocked it out of the park for a home run, but uh, it's worth watching. I mean, if anyone likes cast. that genre, if you like those actors, I think you're going to have a fun time watching it. Uh, so I just wanted to shout that out. Yeah, Reptile. Anyway. Reptile on Netflix? Reptile on Netflix. Yeah, please please yeah. go watch it. Hit Netflix September 29th. Uh, did well at Toronto September 7th. So that's a pretty quick turnaround. So I don't know if Netflix had them ahead of time or not, but hell that. And this is Grand Singer's first film as writer-director, first feature film. Yeah. But yes, you're right. A lot of, a couple documentaries and a lot of music videos. Lord, Taylor Swift, The Weeknd, Sam Smith, Camille Well, Camillo, I mean, Jesus. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of high-profile music videos too. Yeah, it's Travis Scott. Yeah. 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 Um, we are a cinema podcast. So I'm gonna. I, I did binge the first four episode of The Crown, season six, part oh, one. I want to watch. It came out this week, and this is cool. And I actually forgot until after I finished. Is, wait, have you skipped they're... to what you've been watching, or is this a mini? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm gonna wait until what you've been watching because we're a cinema okay. podcast. Yeah. So I, you, you got to stick around until the end so you can hear what I think about it. I'm a I'm a Crown, Crown super fan. I've never let it go more than a week before binging the whole fucking series. Angela and I sat down and just on Saturday we watched the first one Friday night, and then on Saturday just. One and then the other, and we just couldn't stop. Middle of the day, it was a beautiful day outside, and we just could not fucking stop. It's all Diana. It's the eight weeks leading up to Diana's death. Uh, not much of a spoiler there. And the reason that they're doing the two parts is not just because it's a fucking brilliant idea, because this, I mean, that it's a season in itself. The Diana last eight weeks, it's like it's mm. so great. But um, they're gonna ha- they're gonna recast Harry and William because they're gonna get older in part two. Um, so I guess mm. rather than just like all of a sudden you're binging and it's different actors, maybe that'll help kind of bridge that gap a little there's bit. A, there's a but either around. way, whether it's both or either, I don't know what the, the, the you know, it's in the pudding for them, but God, it was mm. smart to just release these four episodes. There's a rumor going around that the woman who plays Diana is going to be the new Sue Storm in Fantastic Four as well. I buy that. She was also in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, if you remember. Mm. Um, great. Elizabeth Debicki, she is so fucking good. Wait, you got to wait for my mini. You got to wait till the end. You got to wait for yes. uh, what you've been watching. Where we'll talk you about that. It. Okay, friends. I got a gripe, but I've been talking. Dave, anything you want to share before we get into no, the No, let's, let's go. Day? Let's hit your gripe. All right, really quick. Why is it whenever Apple updates their software, their own apps suck more than they did before? The podcast app, and I say this because we're a podcast, it sucks every single time they do an update. Every single time. It takes forever to refresh the feed. If I'm starting an episode and I want to go to a different episode, it takes 10 seconds for it to like go up to the top. So I'm just like waiting and killing my time for it to fucking reload. I just hate it that they suck. Their own apps are the ones that were that are worse, you know, way, way worse. I, the Apple Music sucks even more afterwards. And we talked, I've already ranted about the how all of these companies allow the user experience to suffer for the sake of data and other bullshit that they just make our lives 
lives miserable with. If I'm ever underground, don't even get me fucking started. If I'm underground and I have something downloaded and it'll just freeze because it's trying to find the signal because it wants to know so desperately at every fucking second what I'm doing and what I'm watching. It wants my experience so bad to sell my data that it's letting me suffer. But anyway, the fucking Apple podcast app, you got to get your game up. We're an Apple podcast. We want our people to have a good experience, Apple, and you always shit your own bed. <laughs> Dave, do you use the Apple podcast? What do you use to listen I, to podcasts? I, I, I do. I have Apple and Spotify because I make our, our podcast into lists on Spotify as well so people can find the playlists. Um, but yeah, I use Apple and yeah, he's not wrong. Like, it's the only time I saw it fault in a good way was when it automatically downloaded every fucking episode of like oh, yeah. whatever you subscribe to and our, our number count went through the roof oh yeah <laughs> oh that's great i will that's say terrible. too yeah. i will say too th- there are a couple podcasts that all of a sudden i see in my feed and it's downloading that i've never heard of there's no way that i followed them so i don't know what happened i don't know if they got a little like zhuzhi I don't, I don't know if they like kind of they'll change oh, it's, the rules it's like that the one, it's like that one update where they added the u2 album to your phone with your fucking yeah, wanted yeah, it or yeah, not yeah, yeah. something <laughs> like that well yeah because i'm following stuff and i'm looking at this it's like a reptile podcast no not reptile you just talked about reptile but it, there's like a there's like a croc in the logo and they were talking about some weird like bioscience stuff and i was like what the fuck is this and there's no way that i like was like god i want to listen to every single one of these episodes it just never happened nature is metal dude nature is metal i love that fucking handle do you follow that handle I'm not really on them, but yeah, that that I look you know at talking about? that one is funny. Yeah, dude, fuck yeah, that shit is so, so good. Cool. It's yeah, just John, like a dear. John, like a... John likes to get out the transistor radio and have the whole family sit around it at six p.m. It's so. a firelight in a book. Actually, that's that's more my my kind of speed. We're a book pad. We're a book pad. By the way, this movie uh, that we're gonna want to talk about here in a second is a reminder that your film fans, yeah, uh, you gotta listen to your Bach. I feel like all the great film fucking directors always use Bach in their uh, well, it's films free. At some point. So, uh, <laughs> well, no, it depends on who recorded it. So you gotta pay. Yeah. You know, okay. Decca, Decca's getting that money for all the all the the Bach records of uh, being used in films. I exclusively listen to podcasts on Spotify now. I I can't remember the last time I listened to something on Apple Podcasts. I don't know. Oh. Since I went premium several years ago, I just I do everything through Spotify now. Well, I, I might now because I got so frustrated by not being able to determine how to keep the podcast from downloading every episode on Apple yeah. that I was like I can't keep doing this. It was ruining mm. my phone. Like. Every yep. time I would use the app, I would be like, what the fuck just happened to my phone? Yeah. And, oh, it was so frustrating. I probably talk about this. They change the rules all the time. Also, it's like, like when, yeah. when Jeff's talking about like that, that 10 seconds that you're trying to change episodes, that really fucking counts when you pull into a subway station. Yeah. Cause you've you got, you got reception and... for like 30 seconds tops. You're like, yeah. It sucks. Totally. It's annoying. Just all have right. time to buffer for the next station. <laughs> all right, friends. 1961 in film. You ready to go? Hmm. All right. Let's there are. Two different answers. I said I looked at Wikipedia, of course, because I'm really, you know, really an astute. I went to grad school, so I know where to get all the good sources. So I went to Wikipedia, but I also went to the numbers, our favorite website that we use for the franchise face-off. Mm. Nope, not the franchise face-off. That we use for the summer blockbuster face-off. There are two different numbers with two different movies with wildly different numbers that I will allow you to use as the highest grossing movie in 1961. So what do you think the highest grossing movie in 1961 was? Uh, I'm going to guess it's a musical. Yeah. Direct, yeah. And I'm going to guess it's West Side Story. That's my okay. guess. Dave? Nope. I have no idea. Okay. So yeah, definitely in America for sure. West Side Story. 
so according to this, the North American numbers are $19 million for West Side Story, which significantly beats The Guns of Navarone, which came in second here. But yeah. if you look at the numbers, the website, the numbers, 101 Dalmatians made $102 million. And I'm like, wait a second, they, $102 million adjusted? in 1961 when the average ticket price was 60 cents. That's right. It's saying 148 million tickets were sold for 101 Dalmatians. I mean, the population of the U.S. is 160 million at the time. So I know this is worldwide, but... Uh, I mean, I saw it no twice. No way, right? What the fuck are they talking about? When and they re-released it like 10 years later. It must be re-released. I don't know later. where they... And the numbers is trying to say, oh, it could be two or three years collectively after they released the film. There's no way that in two years from 1961 to 1963, 148 million tickets. Well, that got a cinema release in my lifetime. So that was in the seventies at least. Yeah. And I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, they probably count everything. I think it's like those uh, CD sales or, you know, the, the record sales where all of a sudden they're like, we sold 800 million albums and they're like certified 10 times platinum because that's... Yeah, or, anyway. or the numbers is run by Trump and he's just inserting... The and they like hey. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, 101 Dalmatians and West Side Story seem to be the two biggest films at the box office of the year. Uh, other successful movies at the box office would include El Cid, the Parent Trap, God, the OG, the OG it's Parent Trap bar in Los Angeles called El Cid. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, I have to check that out now. The Parent yeah, Trap, the Parent Trap comes in. The original Parent Trap comes in at number four. We get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Absent-Minded Professor, Kings of Kings, Lover Come Back, One Hundred One Dalmatians. Again, back to this fucking Wikipedia. La Dolce Vita, yes, Italy, come through in our mm. numbers here. Come oh, September. Yeah. Uh, and then other movies, though, that would really, really do well um, and ones that would last a very long time in the collective conscience would include Flower Drum Song, maybe, but certainly Blue Hawaii, which is Elvis's first mm. Hawaii film, but not his first film film. Babes in Toyland probably didn't last very long, but Judgment at Nuremberg, of course. I have nothing to say about Elvis at all. Dude, last time I mentioned Elvis on this podcast, I got chastised to fuck on YouTube. Oh, yeah, from the movie Elvis when we talked about that. (laughs) Oh, come on. Yeah. I love when we get one comment, it's three paragraphs long, and it is not kind. Dude, one of them is a thesis. It was like a screen and a half. That's goddamn right. Uh, Yojimbo came out. We we all talked about maybe doing Yojimbo. And Breakfast at Tiffany's, of course, came out in 1961. Yeah, I thought that one would have done... Pretty well. I wonder how breakfast. Is. According to okay? this, uh, nine million dollars, nine wow. million dollars worldwide. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe again, maybe re-releases. Maybe some something else that wasn't included. The, the yeah, numbers are starting in nineteen seventy-seven. Starting in nineteen seventy-seven, <laughs> numbers are way more. Uh, they're way more reliable. What do you guys um, think happened? Like, it, do you feel like? I mean, we all know what happened. We're all pretty familiar with film history, but. They were making so many more movies at the time that it was, and the production costs were much lower. Actor uh, contracts were lower. Do you think there was just they they knew people were going to go see more movies throughout the year, so they were able to just make more small budget movies and not need them to fucking nail it out of the park. Just you know, hopefully they'll make their budget back and they can keep going with their, you know, with their slate of that was probably ten times the size they are now for studios and most streamers. Like, do you feel like just along the way, as soon as Jaws and everything, just they started thinking, no, 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 less movies that have, that will make us way more money. And they just would, they, I don't want to work that hard kind of thing. Like, right. let's just not have to, I don't know. It just seems like there were just so many more movies released at one point. 
I don't I don't know because like America's always made a shit ton of movies. We we used to get the like we we'd get maybe ten percent of the movies that were made in the U.S. in Australia, and that was still enough to watch for a year. So like there was a yeah. fuck ton of movies constantly, and just it just got bigger and bigger. Yeah, right. I think it's smaller now than it was though. I think even when we were kids, and I know when like when you were growing up in Australia, Dave, like there was still I guess it is mostly pre-streamers. Like that really, I mean, I, I know that's obvious. Probably had an enormous impact because there was still a great, you know, there was something we were going to go watch every, almost every weekend when I was growing up. Get the newspaper, see what's playing. Yeah, because yeah, well, no, really then, need to then they the had the anymore for them. Then they had that director video shit. So like this, there was still a shit ton being made. The video, the video numbers were great, especially uh, especially when they get to the eighties. But anyway, we'll do some we'll do some award stuff here. Um, uh, Federico Bellini, Federico Bellini's La Dolce Vida. Um, uh, won Best Writing, I believe. And John, your boy, Ingmar Bergman, actually, this is the second film in a row that won Best Foreign Language Film from Sweden at the Oscars. His second yeah. of three. John, This was in name? a foreign language? John, can you name... No, it's if you look at the crediting, it's weird because it's like Sweden was credited as the winner of this, but obviously Bergman, there's only one producer. Bergman has Oscars. So he has three Oscars for Best Foreign Language Film. He was nominated nine times for Writing and Directing, but um, the wins were all for Best Foreign Language Film, which that category name has been changed to Best Film Not in the English Language because we're worried about offending everybody, which makes sense. John, what are the three films besides, well, I, spoiler kind of in a way here. Two films here. in spite of this one? Just, uh, other than yeah. this one? Yeah. Fanny and Alexander. Yeah. 1980 or is Four. that right? 84. 84. Well, the, and... the 84 awards for the 83 film year, yeah. And I'm guessing, I don't think he won for Persona, so I'm going to guess The Virgin Spring. Hell yeah! Boom. 1950-something. <laughs> the year before, this is two in a row. 1961 was thick. Now, now again, wow. to be to be a little fair, they um sometimes with the, the films don't get released like on the day, you know, they, it takes a yeah. year for them to come out. Uh, but The Virgin Spring won the 1961 Oscar for the 1960 film year. Uh, but there you go. Okay. Um, other notable awards. So West Side Story ended up winning eight, including director Robert Wise. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. It's one of the highest, uh, most, yeah. uh, most awarded Oscar movies of all time. Best picture, I'm... best director, both supporting characters. Rita Moreno as Anita and George Shakiris as Bernardo. It won the Sound Awards, et cetera. Um, Sophia Loren won her Oscar for two women for best leading actress and Maximilian Schell won best leading actor for Judgment at Nuremberg. And just, I know that I'm all about acting and performances now. There's a lot of great work that's being done anywhere. But if you look at these categories, Audrey Hepburn, <laughs> Geraldine Page, Piper Laurie, Natalie Wood for Spencer in the Glass. Sp- Spencer in the Grass. Fuck, Splendor, Splendor in the Grass. Spencer Tracy. <laughs> Tracy. What the fuck is wrong with me? Spencer <laughs> Tracy what the fuck is, is nominated. Doing? Paul Newman for The Hustler is nominated. These these categories are just stacked. And then Henry Mancini won two music. Two I mean, score this, Oscars for Moon River. And this year did not suffer for choices. Wow. Wow. Go, going on in the world, um, definitely a lot of U.S. news going on around the world. Um, Eisenhower severs ties with Cuba in his second to last week of his presidency. So that's really kind of him to set JFK oh, wow. success there. <laughs> that's that's yeah. right up there with taking a shit on the desk and leaving. Like literally two weeks before JFK gets inaugurated, Eisenhower just says, nope, Cuba, you're out. Um, oh, my God. JFK holds the first live presidential news conference, establishes the Peace Corps, and also launches the first interballistic missile uh, the Berlin Wall was built, or it started being built. That's cool. Bay of Pigs happened wow. this year uh, when an American-backed Cuban uprising failed and Fidel Castro was emboldened. 
Uh, DC residents were given the right to vote for president. Really funny that they couldn't before then. And uh, this is a really yeah. bad year for you civil rights. So I don't know if we need to go too much into that, but really bad year for civil rights in America uh, when the new integration laws were put into place. And the Southern states did not take it well. Mm. They did not take it well. <laughs> To say the least. To say the least. Jesus so, fucking yeah, Christ. I mean, my mother you, you always, using, always... using past tense. Yeah, it's yeah like... good point. Good point. Touche. <laughs> oh, one more thing, which is pretty fun, is the first in-flight movie was screened huh. in what 1961. Was it? Come September was screened on Trans World Airlines. The, everybody loves Trans World Airlines. Yes. <laughs> How they, big they do you did, think They the, did so well. I'm sure there was... There was like one screen at the very front of the uh, yeah, fuselage. It was from, yeah, it was, yeah, a, yeah, it was a projector. It's one tiny screen. You couldn't screen. see it through all the smoke. The that's cigarette smoke when I was a kid, fucking... that's what I used to love about taking the Greyhound buses because the Greyhound buses, when I, I used to go and visit my dad, like they had the TV screens. Like there was one at the front and one halfway down the bus. And that you got yeah. you got whatever movie the bus driver wanted to play for you that that moment. He'd, it was like he'd, that. He'd like literally like that on planes for a long time. Yeah, he'd, he'd literally stop at the video store and pick something up. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was insane. Yeah, you remember when there were only like three per side of the plane? Yes. So like yeah. it would be row one, row twelve, and row twenty. So you're on his. You sit there and you'd be like, "Fuck, I'm too far from the TV." Like you know, right when you sit away, you're like, "Oh." I can't yeah, remember. I, I can't remember what saying, air, but... I can't remember what airline just did it. They just released an ad campaign. It's like, yeah, we've got screens in every seat, and it's like you're advertising something other airlines have had for forty years for a very long time, and. Uh, we all use our phones now. I don't even think it's been 40 years, though. Kids, I don't think anyone younger than us is actually listening to our podcast, but if you can put it together, we did not have a choice over what movie was going to be shown. That's right. You just yeah. put your headphones in or not. Yes. You wanted to watch it. Was, it I, was whatever they chose or a book. I flew to, a, I flew to Aruba. Look up book, kids. I flew to Aruba uh, from Virginia or something, and I had to watch Leatherheads. George Clooney's football movie George going to Aruba. Yeah. And then on the wow. way back, I had to watch Leatherheads, the same fucking movie <laughs> going in both directions, I guess, because I was going to a different city. I was st- like, usually they had it like you could look in advance, like what movie was going to be played on what plane. I'd watch Leatherheads twice. Apparently, oh, I've heard wow. some people talk about this over here now that like that used to be like a real fun contract. Like you can make a lot of money if you're if your movie did well in the airlines because, mm. you know, they would buy these exclusive rights to it and play it a gajillion times. And kind of a oh. thing that kind of went away. You just don't make nearly as much because they buy them in packages and bundles now in a different way. Yeah, one of, one of my jobs actually is uh, recording the stuff they buy now. So, is that right? Yeah, I I get tech residuals. What do you? I don't, they they you buy the buy the movies. On no, the they buy no, they buy the content from the productions that I'm recording and screen it on airlines. What what's, uh, what's your recording? check look like? Uh, minuscule at the moment, but <laughs> what are you, and, and you're recording sound. Yeah, it's a it's a sound mix of the performance. So they oh, buy the they buy the show? yeah they buy well not a Broadway show but they buy the performance and they screen it. It's it's in that you know that menu that's after the movies when you get down to well I've seen everything on this fucking menu. You get down to all the last like stuff. That's where that lives. But yeah. That's yeah. uh, when I fly, I have to download and watch whatever fucking movie we're doing that week. That's what I've been watching. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough about the uh, history of 1961. Any films you want to highlight there? I really love the Yojimbo film, which we almost talked about. Um, I really, I, I thought that that might be a good one because we wa- we watched that whole series for that same um, that same character uh, in the um, the Kurosawa films. But any other films you want to shout out? 
Now nah, let's get into it. No, okay. I still have never seen The Hustler, so one day I, I got to watch sure. that at some point soon. But, oh, we yeah, could have done two this week. Oh, we could have, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's do it. So, John, how happy you were talking about a Bergman film for the first time. It only took us 235 episodes. Look, I know it's a, I know it's a heavy, heavy, he's, he's his own thing. And so I'm sure you're not like thrilled to talk about it. <laughs> I know it's not the most fun, but I hope you enjoyed it. I'm you should to hear what see you my notes. Yeah, you should see my notes. My notes started with, I could not remember the name of this movie, which is true. So many times I was looking it up and I was like, through the glass, through, is there a glass uh, inside a glass? And then I said, great apartment with the dog. And then I said, fuck, I started wild strawberries. Those were, those were my notes. Wow. <laughs> I watched the whole first scene of fucking wild so strawberries. You did a whole and bunch right of acid this. essentially. And yeah, to train. It was, notes, it was yeah. awesome. Well, you know, yeah. the phrase is, the phrase is from the writings of Paul. In the New Testament, mm. he uses this phrase. Darkness. Fucking Paul. Fucking, Fucking Paul. Paul. <laughs> um, anyway, my notes are great. Only four actors credited in this whole movie, and it's great. It's like a yeah. weird kind of um, long day's journey into night kind of thing for me. I thought it was awesome. It's, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I have to ask, kind of like, like plays, because you've probably seen it. Does this have any relation to Through a Scanner Darkly? You know, I've never seen that movie. Yeah, I because it, it has a very unique animation technique they did. Not, I, now I want to watch that because I'm wondering, does it draw parallels? Well, that movie's just called Scanner Darkly, right? It's not called Through a... I no, I think, it's, it's, I think it's through, through a Scanner Darkly. Oh, shit. I thought it was just Scanner Darkly. I'm not sure. I'm going to look it up. You go look ahead and look it up. So this movie is all called A Scanner Darkly. A Scanner Darkly. A Scanner Darkly. So I'm not sure, but that's a good question. That'd be cool if he did his yeah, homage to Bergman through that yeah. weird. So this yeah. is, yeah, Bergman. This is probably like his 20th film or so, which is, I mean, no more, more. Maybe it's like his 30th film. He, he just churned out like a movie a Jeez. year from 1944 until the 80s. I mean, this. Fucking I mean, that's, every that's what year. we all should be doing. Good point. Good point. He What's up with this? If you love story. it, do it. Make movies. He has people. this great story of how. I mean, I love him for a lot of reasons, but. I kind of fell in love with him just because we all come from a theatrical background and he did too. He met a lot of his actors uh, working as a writer and director in the theater scene in Stockholm. And once he just started making movies, not too long after that, he ended up moving out to this island off the coast and he kind of bought a lot of the island yes. and they ended up just shooting everything there on the cottages and his house and a couple other houses of residents that were there yeah. and he would just have his he would I basically a, like i need a location i can do weird shit uh, i'm just gonna buy yeah. this island yeah yeah well i mean yeah I, we could talk about the weird shit i mean the the look of the sky and everything there's so many things that just those nordic films lend themselves to but at, at its core he was a playwright that had knew a bunch of actors and just used them over and over and over again in very small intimate uh, almost like real time stories that most of them are about 90 minutes. Yeah. And he found a way to just kind of succeed at yeah. that. He tells this great story, tells this great story. That's I've like read seven eighths of, of, of a Marvel's film. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Jesus. Don't you compare fucking Marvel to fucking <laughs> <laughs> buzzing all of us for that shit. He said he was, uh, he just got to a good point. I mean, Jeff, you said it like, honestly, it made so many movies by this point. He got to a point where he was just like, you know, I'm sustaining it here. I'm not like famous or anything, but I love theater, love movies. And he was just churning them out. 1956, he makes a movie called Smile of Summer Night, which is what... Um, I feel like uh, you can only say... Um, you can only say well, he was churning them which out. Which is what... 
He was churning yeah. them out. No, but you're going to say he's churning them out if they weren't good. I don't know. Yeah, that's what's so crazy. He's he's yeah. the bard of I yeah. mean, his writing True. is crazy. But Smiles of a Suffer Knight is what... Um, uh, Jesus Christ, Jeff, help me out. What is the Sondheim show that's all written in Waltz in 3-4 about the the family? Do I it's hear all staying. a Waltz? Oh, um, no, no. a little night music? Oh, night, night music. Little night music is based on it. And that movie, Smiles of a Summer Night, he said he was literally like somebody at the Swedish film board had submitted it to Khan and he didn't even know that. And he was just taking a shit one day reading the paper. And Did he saw say that? that? He was nominated from a Palm Door and he was like, oh, good. And that kind of like launched his to the next level and the world started paying attention to him. So that was 1956. That's the first time Cayete de Cinema started putting his movies in their top 10 of the year. And it kind of just blasted off from there. Almost every year after that, he was in their top 10 lists and he was winning or being nominated at the big international festivals. For, for anyone who's ever criticized us for not doing our research, this is our go fuck yourself episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is just, he's just, he's crazy. But it is, it's unbelievable how prolific he was for how well written and constructed oh, these, yeah. these plays are. And guys, we've had this conversation before and I kind of want to just plant this seed as we begin to talk about this movie. We have talked before about how difficult and sometimes impossible it is for certain directors to adapt plays to cinema and how yeah. to use the medium. Oh yeah. That's And I think a lot. that he has just proven that like he does both. And when you read his screenplays, there's almost no direction. They're written like plays. It's literally just dialogue like plays. He doesn't write in the action in the same way that a lot of modern screenplay writers do. And yet I think he finds a way to heighten it into a, a language of cinema that he made all his own. Anyway, so I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Well, this was both of your very first Ingmar Bergman films, or had you seen something with me at, at the apartment? I can't remember. I think it, I've it, seen one thing, but I can't remember what it was. But this was my first time with Glass Darkly. Yeah, the, yeah, that has the. I think it might be my first. Which um, I, I've definitely, I definitely walked in and would watch something with you, and you're like, you have to, you have to watch this. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that happened a lot uh, in our apartment. <laughs> Yeah, what's <laughs> late at night saying? You have to watch this. Like, yeah, I'm like, dude, uh, dude, mind. I've got a, I've got yeah. a six a.m. call. I've got a six a.m. Like, call, but fuck it. Yeah, okay, let's go. And I just, just see watch this. a brilliant scene in a different language, and I'm just like Bergman or Tarkovsky, and you're like Bergman. Cool. <laughs> uh, well, what'd you so, guys think? I want to know. What'd you I guys thought it's think? brilliant. Oh, I, I think what's really fun is that it's challenging, as it says. But I actually think it could have been sure. even. I think it could have been more challenging, to be honest with you. I think they could have even gone farther. But it's obviously it was 1961, so I'm not going to pretend like I, you know, even though this is Sweden and not America, which is more prudish, we're a more prudish folk here when it comes to our cinema. Uh, not when the private browsing's on, but you know, when um, you know, in public and advertising stuff or taking a shit on the, you know, reading the newspaper. Um, I think this poetry, it's just poetry. The, the writing is so good that the scenes like almost act themselves. And it's almost like you don't need, you don't need to see the camera. You don't know. You, I don't think I didn't think him once. I didn't think about the director, you know, other than knowing that it's a Bergman film. I'm like, holy shit, this is good. I, it, it seems so effortless. It's so seamless. You know, it was so non-invasive. But yeah, really, like I think what, what really what really caught me is just that the writing was brilliant and it seemed like the, the scenes acted themselves. The actors didn't need to do much. But they did, of course. And I mean, the fact that I got my boy, Max von Sydow, who I love, the fucking three-eyed raven, but even obviously I loved him well before that, really looking like Brad Majors from Rocky Horror. Well, actually, no, it's, it's really funny when you bring up Max von Sydow. Like, is it, he has always had that expression that he's thoroughly disappointed with what you've done. 
<laughs> like consistently in every like he, it got better as he got older but i saw it pop out in this movie a couple of times you guys haven't yeah. seen jeff i thought you came to see seven seal with me at the forum i don't think so you didn't come with me i know i saw I a lot of good stuff at the forum yeah max one Cito. i mean i know what you mean no keep going dude keep going i would We'll talk about the performances, but I know exactly what you mean about. I mean, we'll we'll keep going in. There's some fun stuff. I, I you know, you know, I love more than anything in writing when you just get a casual like electrotherapy <laughs> mention. I didn't yeah, even right. read. <laughs> I didn't read the in plot the conversation. I know they're like a, a woman comes home. I guess this is sort of spoilery because I like this moment, but we're on a podcast talking about this movie. People are listening um, when they're like, if you read the description, it's like she one month from getting home from the mental institution. But if I didn't know that and I'm just watching the movie, she's like, oh, yeah, that must have been from the electric well, electric shock treatments. Yeah. Um, I don't know, brother, you want to make out? And it's like, OK. And I'm like, what? Like, what the fuck? when she electric thought electroshock treatment was is that like an everyday thing? It took me a while yeah. to realize that it was from the mental institution. He wasn't be like, I feel like he was suddenly, writing poetry, not plot in a way. Like we suddenly brought up my dick itch on this podcast regularly or Your something. Dick itch? What the <laughs> fuck? Jesus Christ. They gotta tell us, you know. <laughs> Jeff, say that sentence again. Run to you say said something. Which one? He was writing poetry, not plot. That's well, I mean, the, of course he of yeah. course the plot was there, but if you listen to the scenes, it's it's no, 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 I, I know what you mean. Dude. I, I, I feel like I feel like most things I see nowadays are the Wikipedia entry of the their own movie. And then they try to spice it up. They try to glam it up. Maybe you'll get a Judd Apatow where they're like, actors, play off it. This is what we want. But it's like, you know, the Wikipedia is just as good as the movie that I saw. And in this, it's Wikipedia couldn't even, you can't do justice to this. Those scenes are so rich texturally that it's like, I don't know. It's It it, it reminds me of old plays, old Shakespeare plays, old, um, you know, like, this, you know, the great Swedish and, and European theater of the 1800s and 1900s and 2000s. But it, it had this freshness to it, too, where it obviously was very contemporary. It was it was just it was unlike anything else, uh, even though it was so simple. Don't hey, shut the get the fuck out of here. <laughs> gush. Try to gush me. Also, don't wear Converse low tops by the water. Get boots, <laughs> Minus. I noticed the shoes, too. But more and more of like a God, those look very contemporary. You think they were literally were Converse? They were. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. like the white sole. Yeah, yeah. They, look, they look good. David, what do you think, dude? Oh, where to start? Okay. <laughs> Dave loved it. <laughs> I actually really did. Clearly. Oh, okay, good. good yeah, good. nice. No, this this Fuck was. Yes. Woo. Um, I mean, not even for the story or anything. The cinematography in this is fucking magical. God damn it. Yeah, dude. Two-time like Academy Award winner, Sven Nykvist. For, for, on. Yeah. For one, like there is so much you can learn from how to composition a scene in this. Like there's so many practical lights placed in really interesting places in the background that just break up the scene perfectly, especially when they're using something as deep as these shots were. Because like I would challenge any director who like any like early on director in their career to block a scene like this where you just lock off a camera and let the actors play in it because this is a fucking masterclass in blocking like yeah. the, the depth they, the way they use the depth in the image but the audio keeps going is just amazing so yeah this is like if, if anything even if you watch this and you're like I don't get what's going on watch it for the technicalities because there is some fucking technical genius happening in this movie yes I would love well, to know we've, how they did we've the talked about him and... recently mm. do you guys remember what he shot recently that we talked about? No. What did you shoot recently? Um, the Tenet. What? 
he shot the tenant. Oh my he god! Tenant, right? Remember, you like, said and you said this. You said this. I was this, like, yeah. dude, he shot like all of fucking Burgers films. All of Tarkov. I was like freaking out. Oh yeah, because this guy is a fucking legend. He's like you... only filmed. I tuned out because I don't like to listen to you masturbating. What you Dave? <laughs> Dick itch and masturbating. Well, he has done. He's done yeah, some dude. sexual movies because he did the unbearable lightness of being. Um, the movie that has all more Daniel Day Lewis sex scenes than all of his other movies combined. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely, there's only two people in the movie. But I just uh, love too that, I, and not that I care about Oscar. I do, of course, I do. But um, he won his. I mean, he also did Sleepless in Seattle. That's funny. Uh, Chaplin. Um, he won his Oscars for films not in the English language. So there was uh, definitely I, I respect. Love, I love how you thought I was gonna like break this over the coals. It's like no, this is no. I, I didn't really think that. Like, but when you say where to begin, were, where to begin, it's yeah. Yeah, I thought I had a feeling you were actually gonna. It was gonna touch you, man. Yeah, no, this movie was definitely therapy for the soul. Like, I actually resonated with a couple of characters. Um, like the and uh, I can say this without turning on spoilers, but like when the father is there with the kids and he gives them presents. And they're basically mm-hmm. bagging out his presence choice because yeah. it's like the gloves don't fit and this guy already had like the the other guy already has the thing he's given him and stuff like that. And then it cuts to the father who's just inside crying because he knows what a piece of shit he is, but he did the best he could. That scene, well, he didn't do the best I, he could. <laughs> well, he did at the time. Like he did the best he could, he was capable of doing at the time. It was granted he was treating the family like an afterthought, but it's just, it's brutal and visceral and... I actually had feelings of sympathy for from this cold, dead sci-fi heart that like lives here. That's so, right. <laughs> like, it, he got me good. I, I resonated with the father a lot until he turned into a cold-blooded piece of fucking shit later in the movie. So, yeah, I, I there was a lot to resonate with here, like the technicalities of of the shooting, the way they shot it, um, and the way the way he was using like the frame to stage things, and just yeah, the, some of the characters resonated really well with me. Well, there's four characters, so I think the papa. I think that's great because he is the anchor of this, even though she is definitely the lead of the movie. But he does sort of anchor this family in a way, very similar to Long Day's Journey Tonight, um, yeah. where the dad's probably not the lead in that play. But he is surprising, you know. By the mm. way, his novels suck, right? Like, you, yes. do you think his novels are good? <laughs> and no. I actually love. And I suck. Is I'm exaggerating, but I actually love that later. He says in one of his final scenes, he refers to his writing as my so-called art. Uh-huh. I love that he he comments that's on like, that. I lo- that's like the 60s version of imposter syndrome right there. Yeah. And and there is this kind of... There's I also so much love- mental illness in this. So we'll just we'll, we'll go character by character, I think, which would yeah. be great if that's okay with you guys. So, the, so with the Papa too, his book's bad. He knows the book's bad. And then, he you know, you have the scene with... um. It's Max, right? Who's telling him like the the scene on the boat? Oh my god, yeah. it's so good between the two of them. Yeah. And um, he's basically telling him like his work sucks. He he puts all of his time and effort into his this, but he's not even his son-in-law. Yeah, son-in-law. He's, he's, but he's not he's not he's not even an artist. Um, what what else did he say? Um, I'm sure I'll come back to it. But then at the end, the dad sort of recognizes it. He's like, I was more interested in my success than my wife's death. Um, uh-huh. And so I'm not saying that like all of a sudden he's rejuvenated and reborn and he can then go and finish his novel or anything like that. But it is, it is no, he, weird. He acknowledged his fault where he's just carried on. Like uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if he changes, but <laughs> yeah. he certainly learned something that I think was good that he learned. What do you think, John? What do you think about this dad? If Papa. he learns, I think I think absolutely he learns. Uh, I think it takes him longer than that though. I think he learns. I don't think he learns until he witnesses her breakdown. 
when she mm. when he goes down into the hole of the boat with her and he's watching her and she finally confesses I can't do this anymore and he confesses right. to her I always took on this guilt and that's why I ran away when you got sick because your mother died from this same sickness and as soon as right. you started showing symptoms of it I couldn't handle it and now I know that yeah. it's all my that that's my fault on but the not even that background is the first time he acknowledges it but it really is I love the ending of this movie so much yeah it's really her second breakdown when he catches her in the room by herself when she's dressed and ready to go to the hospital, this is the last big sequence, folks. Yeah. She has said, I'm going to the hospital, and they find her in this room, and she's talking to these voices. And he actually has to witness it, and he sees her absolutely lose her mind. And then once she goes, he's the one who finally gets to tell his son that that incredible scene where the son basically says, now that I have fallen into my own reality, it's like I fell out uh, of my dream and my my I mm. fell out of my innocence into reality, and I don't know how to live anymore. And he basically says, "I understand." Like that's the first time he was able to say, "That's how I have felt," and now I can tell you that the only choice is to continue living. Yeah, like that's when he finally realizes. And the last line of this fucking movie is, "I finally got to speak to my dad. My dad finally spoke to me," which yeah. is. The thesis of which what that is, boy says, like very early yeah, which on, which is also glossing over way. the fact that he just banged his sister. Yeah, a little bit. I don't think but, you ever uh, really know what happened there. I think she yeah. pulled him into a very inappropriate situation. Yeah, I personally don't think they had sex. I think she was always, you know, the the the. See, I totally got they, they go did to, they. They they danced when around. She was it, trying, I, she was trying yeah. to confess, and then she said, "Poor Minos." So they are insinuating it, but they, he did a good job of censorship. It was, it's ambiguous. I think it's absolutely her ambiguous. Displ her displaced eroticism certainly got pointed at her younger yeah. brother. Yeah, and we. I don't think we'll ever know what happened, but no. whatever it is, he realizes I don't know how to live now that there are no rules. And the father, I, I think so. The father does. It took him a long time, but he finally got to a place where he was like, "It's okay to be a terrified of life." Yeah. Which is, if I had to put mm. an epitaph for Ingmar Bergman, <laughs> it would probably be something about <laughs> to put an epitaph if you're for not any afraid of this. of this life, then you're not living this life. Okay, <laughs> I mean, again, back to Max. So we're pulling Max in here. Max von Sydow's brother is son-in-law, who in, in weird ways almost seems like a peer, almost a peer for yeah. a lot of this movie. Yeah. He yeah. says so simply that he's a coward. So simply to his father-in-law, he says, you're a coward. You don't know anything about life. You always fall short. Um, okay, I want to touch you, on that you're, for a second. Your half lies are so refined that they look like truth. You're trying to fill your void with, it's Kat, we Karin or Karin, but they say like Corin with her extinction. How can you bring God into that? But he's saying it straight. Like he's not yeah. saying it like like an, an actor today where they'd be like breaking shit or whatever. He just I mean, says it straight, like so simply. It's wow, and this it's is powerful. this is one of the things I love about foreign films because subtitled dialogue. Like because of the, the the altered sentence structure and the like the altered way that like languages are used, sometimes when you get a foreign film, the subtitled English translation is so good it elevates it above normal English. And oh, this yeah. is this is one of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like because the, the English translation of this is like you're right, it is like poetry. I, no, you're making a good point, dude. I used to always when I got Deep, when I deep dive into these foreign directors, this kind of writing almost never works in uh, since the 70s, basically, in America. Neorealism mm. like, created an expectation in our mind of, you know, you, De Niro wouldn't say these words. He would repeat the first two words over and over again, and that feels like reality to us. Um, 
but there is something heightened about the way that they speak to each other. And honestly, there's a, I don't remember if you guys, I was, I feel like I said this out loud a lot when I was talking to y'all about these kinds of films. There's a, there's a sincerity to, to their approach. Everything, there's yeah. no cynical, there's no sarcasm. There's no cynicism. They take, they take the film, they take the language, they take the performances and the life seriously enough so that it, it can be elevated into that place that I think you're talking about. There's still humor. There's still, mm. oh my God, there's yeah. still some kind of like playful, almost like surreal banter that happens in all of his films. And I think it happens yeah. here in the first few acts as he, well. He really, leans, he really but, leans into the family's a weird thing and yeah. just runs with it. It's because like these guys do have, they have a familial connection. So their interactions are different to our interaction, like how we'd interpret their interactions as strangers. Oh, Dave, you're so right, dude. I'm glad he said that because he, again, he usually, here's another good little quip, a little anecdote of Bergman. They were walking around the island one day. (laughs) (laughs) They were walking around the island one day, him and uh, I think it was Sven, cinematographer, and they came upon this crazy house and Sven was like, oh my God, we got to shoot here. And Bergman was like, well, call the girls and let's all meet back here in six weeks. I'll write something. And it became Cries and Whispers, which is one of the most horrifying, incredible films I've ever seen. Um, so he's just that kind of person with those small stories. I hmm. I was listening to Tony Kushner talk to Mark Maron on What the Fuck not too long ago. And they were talk, you know, talking about film versus theater and just like these kinds of stories. And it made me think about Bergman and how what well, you were talking about earlier, Jeff. It's not really plot. And I have been thinking about this concept a lot, not that I'm achieving it, but when I'm, I'm, I'm writing something right now and I keep going back to my time in New York when I saw a lot more theater and how the best theater always seems to be, just because of the nature of that medium, an isolated amount of characters, typically in familial or friendship or work or something situations. It's usually not as plot heavy. It's usually very character driven with them discussing how they feel and then it somehow ends up talking about all of humanity. Hmm. Like the best theater tends to just open up and end up discussing or experiencing or expressing some plight of every human being, just like the great Arthur Miller plays, just like the good Tony Kushner's, just like, you know. um, I mean, if you want to take it right, if you want to take it right back to plays, like the, the son through his, exuberance and youth and movement and everything like he's running everywhere he reminded me of puck absolutely that kind of from midsummer night's dream almost yeah. like a nymph like, a little fairy yeah. a little the he way was, he pops up into the windowsill like a fucking yeah, flying monkey it, like that that was a parallel i drew while i was watching this i was like he's puck he's passed away this is his first film um poor minus whoever they said that I was like poor minus oh my god by the way how fucking good was he in that play Oh my god, dude! Right? Mm. I wanted to ask dude. you guys about that. Like, how okay. good was that play? That I got that. This play is no, so fucking good. That's yeah. my note. <laughs> and then the last line that he repeats twice, I believe, is "Oblivion shall own me, and death alone shall love me." Okay. No. Fuck the, writes that. That's, okay, that's not even the best part. The best part is when they cut to Papa. Yeah. And from the and look on like, his face, you clearly get the the like the feeling that he's contemplated suicide which is like fuck spoilers it's 61 but like he's contemplated suicide and he actually attempted suicide in the past but like they managed Uh. to do it through a performance that isn't even related to him Uh, and from from his reaction to that yeah don't you love that they give that he gives her 
the intelligence as well. And the scene when they go inside, she makes that observation to to Max. She says, "Oh, he Papa was so upset at yeah. his play," and she like yeah. they, they were acting and mm. like, but they still like no one is everyone is being observed, but not in like a tense. Oh, they're all watching and studying each other way. It's just there's a there's an accepted uh, reality that they are all living in, and no one is allowed to escape ever in his plays. Yeah, there's that. He makes me think of. Tell me if you guys agree with this, but like, I'm, this was like your first kind of real four way into him and four way into him, and you see that. What's that fucking great line by Ernest Hemingway? Like, you know, all all oh yeah, writing's easy. All you got to do is sit down to the typewriter and bleed. You just got to have the fucking courage to like write about what scares you the most. And like that's all of this fucking thing. When he gets into all of the dark stuff, like the stuff that comes out of people's mouths is just so compelling to me that it's okay that we're sitting in these wide or medium limited space shots or deep focus shots. And we're just listening to people talk to each other because the things that are coming out of their mouths in, in this version of domesticity, they're just sitting there on this Island, just talking to each other. It's just mm. incredible. That sequence where where he explains how he tried to kill himself. The dad, like, yeah, Papa, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm parked in front of a cliff and I hit the gas yeah, and the uh-huh. transmission stalled. Like the, the, ice, the isolated nature of, of that, I'm wondering, like, because we reviewed uh, Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah. Mm. I'm wondering how much influence those sort of films have over that sort of storyline. Because, again, Good it's quality. an isolated community and, like, I, there's definitely parallels there. Like I'm, I'm sure they saw this. Well, and Another the power of brilliant uh, thespian playwright, right? Yeah. Who decided to give yep. his gifts to this medium? Like, yeah, this yeah. shit does the same thing in another way, in a more like visceral kind of Tracy Letts way. But also, fuck like, yeah. let's let's just touch on cinematography for a minute, because like, like I said, the shot composition there, is, is Talk beautiful. Like the, that one incredible. scene at the dinner table where they've got the house in the background, you just see, you can see like to the back of the fucking island, but there's this fantastically lit window. And then later on yeah. with, with the scene, there's like a, a practical light in the foreground. There's not much lighting otherwise. They've got like a single source throwing. You can tell by the shadows, but like there's what these wonderful practical placements to just break up the set pieces. And it, it's complimentary to the eye and occasionally it draws your eye, but for, for a reason. And I, I love this style. I like, I, I hadn't even thought of this style of like breaking yes. things up with light shining out of things. I mean, maybe I've done it unintentionally. I don't know. I remember that one time I pissed you off by lighting a scene right to the background. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, wait, no, no, no. Remember I the mountain house. I insist on lighting it yeah. right to the back of the fucking house. Yeah. No, I uh, think it worked. You yeah. The stairs. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 No, I thought that was awesome. And, uh, I think Dave, don't you think it? Well, let, let me. Sorry, continue what you were saying. I want to. That, that was like the first time I kind of found my style, and I, 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 I found myself thinking, "Oh, this style is good. Like I can learn from this style." So it was, it was definitely for cinematography and like how to frame something. Also, don't even get me started on the tracking and rails. Like they, they, they didn't use tracking shots often. But when yeah. they fucking did, holy hell, I, I was picturing like a half mile of fucking track. 
Like you, the camera's rolling, you see it pause and you get an MTA announcement saying there's another camera passing in front. It was that fucking long. But like it was, <laughs> it was just, <laughs> Jeff's been on the train today. But yep. no, when, the, when they, they didn't use it very often because a lot of the times they framed up a shot and let the actors work in it. But when they did use it, it was a fantastic effect. It's not like modern. It's not like a lot of the stuff you see these days where the camera's just fucking moving every time for no reason because we've got to keep them interested because everyone has fucking ADD and we have to move the camera so they like, oh, pretty colors. Um, but this this was definitely, it was like they used it to great effect. Not very often, but when it did move, it moved for a fucking reason and it moved a mile. You know my... Well, you know my incre- sorry, I think Johnny, go ahead. I'm sorry, no good. Should have gushed myself for that. Uh, no, dude, don't gush it. This is appropriate. I think it's an incredible um, challenge. And I would imagine when when somebody like Ingmar Bergman approached somebody like Sven Davinsky or however you say his name, a brilliant cinematographer, to say that, like, I am, I don't want to move the camera much. I want it to feel like uh, a invasive theater. I want to keep that proscenium hmm. feel, but it needs to have a heightened composition. And yeah. for, to give somebody like Sven that challenge where... We only can move the camera at very specific times. And if we can't, how do we make sure we capture yeah. in a composition so that the composition will shift based on where the actor's staging moves? I can imagine. I think like, Inurito does Sven, that a lot. Sven was like, how, like, what are all these rails for? And he's like, you'll know. You'll know when you You'll know. know. You'll get there. Yeah. But even the tiny push-ins, I love when they change. I didn't, I didn't, so, much, I didn't so much like the tiny push-ins. I like the big rolls, like oh, the giant I'll, sweeping I'll, shots. I think the tiny I mean, push-ins were a little really clunky for me. Oh, come on. How about the, uh, they're still in the hull of the ship and it's Papa and her and he joins her in like this medium close up. Yeah. And then he begins and turns away from her and begins to crawl up and it comes into this low angle, extreme close up. Yeah, on it, was, both of them. it was great. It's just, I noticed the camera moving. It wasn't as, as subtle as what the other stuff they did. Mm, this, this was yeah, designed yeah. to draw your attention to a point And it was, I found it a little like, you've drawn my attention like up to this point you haven't and then suddenly the camera move draws my attention that's interesting because i mean there's so Mm. much static yeah that shot of her and uh, laying on minus uh minus minus on the beach when they're smoking cigarettes and it kind of pushes into them and she Mm -hmm. lays down on top of them yeah oh don't get me wrong when they move the camera they had a very good reason yeah yeah i'm literally jealous like i you can't get away with this shit anymore you know what I mean? Like you really, I don't think, I think people would call everybody who, anybody who tries to do anything like this. You know what? I think, and- I think you can. I think you can. It's just no one tries. Yeah. Who are you, who are you gonna, who's going to see it? Who are you going to get to well, see it? I'm actually going to, I'm going to reference a movie at the end of this episode. And I want to ask you guys a question, but um, Dave, I wanted to ask you uh, one more time about the idea of them like shooting with that kind of natural light in a place like Sweden where the sun does stay up a lot longer. So because they, the nature of them having this like almost perfect soft light all the time coming through these, I mean, these clouds, there were some times when it it was supplemented though. You could, you like, there were studio lights going occasionally. Um, It wasn't all natural, but even when it wasn't, it it didn't, it wasn't jarring. It, it, it blended well. So like the, you, like the contrast, some, like when they did use studio lights, the contrast between the foreground and the background was excellent. Yeah. Did you feel that his use of, um, he doesn't do this in every movie, but I felt like in this one, there, were a, there was a lot of symmetry in the wider compositions yeah. inside rooms or people would, it would start off 
and then a person would cross mm. like her when she is first by herself and she has like her her real sexual moment when she's up early in the morning mm-hmm. with her nightgown and like collapses on the floor i mean she eventually finds her place where she's going to have that moment and it's like right in the middle of a super blown out window right behind her and it's just like she she looks like this i mean fucked up well, angel that's like, intentional she's she's having a religious experience right then yeah so yeah, yeah. I, and we don't know it yet do we yeah she's she's a witch. That she's talking about god and Jeff, I want to hear what you're going to say. It's uh, it actually relevant you... to this because my favorite shot in the movie is when she wakes up that night, and <laughs> of course, the, shot why... on their fa- the, the light. On so their fa- on their... there's a little bit on his shoulder, so you could sell, you could see where he is and at least give us like depth and everything. You talking and about then the highlight? Her one eye. Yeah. And then it's up, and then she just hear something see something we only see from this one eye mm. it's dead silent and and it's like a minute of her with must, her eye and this lighting it, it is fucking captivating must, and then eventually it leads up to that but that's when the beginning I, of that sequence when that i saw that photography the first thought that went through my head was my wife waking up in the morning going where the fuck is that light coming from yeah like <laughs> just hit that one and no you know i i think every filmmaker has tried to do some kind of wake up in the middle of the night how do you I, get her I in the have, focus and how I do you, you know everybody's talking about beams this. onto someone's face for a what for a yeah, yeah no, but it was her so, eye when she opened her eye that because that's what mattered the lighting was yeah. to to emphasize like that, the lighting that, there's no way that light could have hit her but it didn't matter it was like we needed to know that the eye opened Oh, it was perfect. Yeah. But, and they held on it for so long. But honestly, we haven't talked about her. And I know we were about to segue into something else. She is the lead of this movie. And she's she's so good. To the point where we don't need to hear the voice of God. We don't need the Pan's Labyrinth. Like, we don't need Pan. We don't need that. We get, she, it's, she sees it. And then at the end, there's, you know, I guess there's the helicopter sound that kind of comes in right around when we probably should hear something. I wonder but, was the helicopter the spider? The fox spider? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> also, I, I just want to bring up one thing. Like, my one... My one criticism of the cinematography, that one shot on the beach where the pube got in the film gate. The pube? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's just the gate. It was so know, fucking was distracting. Like, fuck, check the gate. I mean, they must have really loved that take or they just didn't have a lot of film. But she was so good. Yeah. Like the whole shot. Wait, can we just say, can we just say uh, really quick, she was so good. She was yeah. so good. I was No, I was. I wanted to bring it back to the performance because I thought that was a good idea for us to just kind of dissect each of them and that that's probably going to lend a, some good conversation how brilliant is it that she he's had a few muses in his career Lived, and yeah. she was the, the first and mm. he uh how how i love how she's introduced and there's like this like heightened performative why is she acting like that is she his sister or his wife or like if you don't really know how yeah. going into this movie who's it took who, a minute <laughs> like it's confusing and right. and then they're alone in the bedroom and you finally realize okay for sure or they're for sure married um, and she's literally saying to him, like, does it bother you that I'm like yeah. a child, that I'm not like this older and serious, soft woman that would bring you, you know, that, you know, that scene it... cut really deep. That scene was mm. great. Would yeah, you rather I mean, just have just somebody like, like a nice soft woman to, who's awake, making you coffee in the morning? Yeah. And isn't there a isn't there a, a horror yeah. to her performance where she doesn't because of his lack of sound design, he really doesn't try to use that much. He never uses music. That interlude that he comes back to every now and then is just for sake of interlude. It's not to create any kind of tension or emotional storytelling the, the way we do today with film scoring. He's very famous for that. And I think her performance is so 
is so grounded in reality that even like a moment where Minas sees her breakdown upstairs and he's freaking out and he walks out of the door and then he's like, no, I got to check on her. And he goes and opens the door one more time after she's like, I need to go to sleep. And she's just standing in the doorway. Yeah, that it's was not a pop out. Yeah. Yeah, but it's scary, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like it's, there, there's no horror. It's like, okay, devices. yeah, not, this is not right. Yeah. Yeah, there is something off. And by the end of it, I do feel that, like, Jeff, you nailed it. Like, we saw the horror in her experience by observing her experience. It, like, they, they didn't try to use filmmaking to put us in her point of view. No. <laughs> it was is, everyone like, observing her scary. disintegration, which is mentioned yeah. earlier in the film. Which again is what I think when really good theater does its job, that's what theater does. Yeah. And there's, but somehow he fucking nails it in cinema. It feels like a movie. It doesn't feel like a yeah. play adapted for movies. I don't know. But, to me, it doesn't. Yeah, but that play within the movie was so fucking good. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's it, right. where Minas is like, oh yeah, I write lots of plays. Doesn't it just pour out of you, Dad? <laughs> 13 <laughs> plays and an opera. Yeah. <laughs> Kids opera 17. The summer. Over the, the summer. summer. <laughs> and then no this is the best yeah 13 plays in an opera this summer it just pours out of me doesn't it for you dad no yeah that's, that's a great way that's to get him trying to connect to his dad that's a great way to get your dad to go upside your head he's like a little bastard <laughs> oh my god there's a little Man, well, I, uh, thank guys, you guys for letting great. me uh for letting me watch this again yeah i watched you can imagine the state of mind i was in now you guys understand why i wanted to make sanita so bad i watched his entire canon <laughs> yeah like in a row all like 60 fucking movies i like you, went back you probably back. should have maybe watched this one before we shot it <laughs> dude I, wa- I watched them all before we fucking because like i learned things from this that i probably could have used yeah maybe i should have recommended that we all sit down and watch yeah. it but dude you see where it's at, though. You guys, I mean, mm. this guy is the bard. He is the fucking writer of movies, right? I mean, I mean I've like, seen one film. They're all like this. <laughs> honestly, like, for lack of a better word, they're all fucking like this. Anyway, thank you, guys. I, I have wild was... strawberries queued up, and that guy, the professor. Also, I love that professors. All these people, all these professors just live so well with housekeepers. I work at a college. I'm not getting a housekeeper anytime soon. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, we can see the back of your room. Fuck! <laughs> oh my god! Everyone just listening to the podcast, not on YouTube. It's gonna wonder YouTube what the channel. fuck your room looks like now. We have a YouTube channel. You can go check it out. I have a plant and a radiator right there. Yeah, right there. <laughs> do we call All it right. out? By the way, uh, do we call this out? Just to be clear, it won the best foreign language film. It yes. was nominated. Just him. It the it was nominated for the Golden Bear at Berlin, and it was um. It, yeah, it was the eighth best film for Cayete de Cinema for that year. So I mean, it's just it's mm. one of those movies, people. You should yep. you should go check it out. It's on, it's on Max. It's on Max. We should say that. Yeah, yeah it's, on, it's Max. on Max. So yeah, if okay. if you've if you if you've kept your original subscription, don't worry, it's in black and white. You don't need Dolby Atmos. It don't, Dave. So, yeah. Go back to Dave's rant. Dave, we didn't even talk about it. Hold on, wait. Just just my last thing. I just want to ask you. We didn't really talk about it specifically, but. This is shot in 4.3. Yeah. Right? Like all of his movies are shot in 4.3, which really lends itself well, to like good I mean, close-ups. But that was, what do that you was, think he yeah. did with, what do you think he, I mean, just the fact that they were able to capture those wide shots in that aspect ratio. I mean, isn't that interesting? Like it's so different than the way we think of wide shots well, nowadays. It's, it's with our fucking easier when you our, bought the island. <laughs> yeah, you can go, you're not going on someone else's lawn to get your wide shot it's like you know, i own the fucking island piss off 
<laughs> Working in a fucking square, though. It's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. All right. I'm sorry. I'm done. All right, people. Well, let's do it. So we just talked about 1961. We chose this film. So we are going to go ahead and spin for next year. But we are not going to sit here and start Googling the movies coming out in whatever year it comes up in Dave's random year generator. We're going to go straight into what you've been watching. But Dave, let's not keep the people hanging any longer. Hitting let's the let them know. Thanksgiving 2023, we're going to be talking about two, zero, one, nine, nine. Oh, I didn't know if it was going to be a six or a nine. 2019. Oh, this is going to be fun. Fantastic year. The year before <laughs> year. the cinemas stopped. Yeah. Year before the, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's like uh, three weeks before we decided to start doing this podcast. What was number one of the box office? Like a Latin or something? No, we Who didn't knows? know. Oh, Jesus. Fucking Lion King. I can't remember what it was. All right, yeah, people. That's let's... not what we're doing. <laughs> no. <laughs> what you've been watching. This is our segment where we go around the horn and tell you what you've been watching. I'm going to be talking about The Crown soon. But before we do that, Dave, we'd like to start with you. What you been watching? I, uh, just for fun today, put on Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Uh, in- this and came up with some of my students recently. It yeah, still it, holds up. It's yeah. fucking funny. It's a it's yeah. a great feel good movie. I got goosebumps a couple of times because of the song selection. Like the arrangements in it are awesome. It's it's a fun movie. If you haven't seen it yet, watch Pitch Perfect. Skip the sequels. Just watch the first one. It's great. Standalone. Uh, and also, uh, we're into Fall of House of Usher on Netflix as well. Oh, I heard yeah. that was really good. Oh, oh, fucking hell, brace! Like you know how I go with scary shit. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was... like that guy. What's his name? Who created that? And he did um, uh, haunted um, Hill House, haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. and Doctor Sleep, and yes, right. That's that guy, right? Yeah, same guy. Somebody it's, was just um, talking to me about. I remembered his name before, but it's gone now. Mike Flanagan. It's... Yes, Mike Flanagan. Because I have sixteen buzzers this episode. So nice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, fuck you, John, for not getting your buzz count up. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. John Thirsty. Bergman sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, this week Good I gag. watched um, the uh, best international film from last year, uh, Drive My Car. All right. Uh, directed by. It's not to be confused with Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah, very much. Not <laughs> very <that> different films. <laughs> by the way, not as many laughs. <laughs> by the way, I've seen Dude, Where's My Car so many times that no, I should have. To, I should see this movie just. <laughs> You, you can't do that I've when I'm drinking seen, a fucking beer. I've never seen that. Dude, uh, just I just smashed that shit all over my laptop. <laughs> just to give you an idea of how good this movie is and like what it's about, Janus Films distributed it, the same thing that distributes like all of those like Bergman films, that, mm-hmm. that emblem you saw at the front of yeah. it. I always um, thought it was Janus. I just wanted to bring this up because this movie it's Janus. feels and is shot with the same spirit of like those Bergman films. Ah, you just don't see movies see like Dave, that See, Dave, they're doing much. it. Like you really just don't see movies like that this much. And there's a, there's a poeticism to it. They're doing Chekhov the whole time. It's about a director, actor, directors. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. It's also on Max. If you have three hours, it's a long one, and you want to sit down and you cool. want to invest in a very, very, very good film. This is an 8, 9, 10 kind of film. You know, it's going to yeah. take something from you. But if you're willing to give it, I think you're you're going to be better. This for is it. why it Max's beautiful. price went up. They've got all three R films. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. You should watch it. 
right, crown people. So, guys. <laughs> just been also, sitting on this for like an hour. <laughs> so, I actually, so, so podcasters that I like, there's a couple podcasters that I really like, and I understand the conundrum of being a, a, a critic and, and needing to give your reviews on pop culture and, and being a trendsetter and, and having to be first to market on thoughts and you can have bad weeks and good weeks and things. But I've seen a couple people, well, let's just say this, there, there's there's a, a very small amount of, in, in hindsight, I wish they told me this more clearly, where characters after they're dead talk to other characters, which is different for The Crown. It, 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 not mm. that it's based in reality, but they wouldn't. They, did, they never did stuff like that before, where the audience is there's there's no Hamlet their... ghost flashback. Yeah, there's no Hamlet. Yeah, there's no ghosts. Yeah. There's no yeah. ghosts before. You know, this is the first time that like ghosts come back. <clears throat> and so there's a couple of times, there's a couple of people that, I don't know, they're just a little cynical on this first dump of episodes. This is the most visceral the crown has ever been for me. Like, well, if, not even just that I've been moved and Angela was moved and we were like at in tears watching this. The paparazzi sequences with Diana, I mean, it, it mm. is it is beyond film. It's beyond cinema. It is so powerful watching her try to get around and then recognize people as they start to attack her with love of course but just so much and then she tries to run and and the camera i mean it is it's not hard to watch but it it is hard to watch without being affected as a person oh my god like it's like i feel like that you know like i feel like i'm getting an onslaught dealing with a thing that like for the rest of the world was like like when jfk was shot on 9-11 or you remember where you were like i remember exactly where i was when the news came through what happened to diana to diana yeah and like, that too yeah, yeah it's it was a thing for like the colonies they and, and you know they have their point of view so that you know they I, I the truth and that kind of stuff i'm sure people will continue to debate of of, of how why the sequence you know how much was his dad involved um how drunk was the driver those those kinds of things i'm sure will continue to unravel but the honest to god truth the, the only like mini gripe that i had was that and i and angela we, i don't know if we had even agreed on this but after the first episode i was like i don't know if the queen was the focus of this episode it's called the crown and i feel mm. like this it was the the day the princess this the first episode well like, that's, I really felt that's like, actually quite brilliant because when diana came into the picture the focus on yeah. who was going to get the crown shifted to her but but and, but they did it seamlessly where it was like she kept taking the spotlight but yeah. every time you turn to her, she seems so innocent. Like it didn't seem like she was. No, well, that's what that's what it was like back then. Yeah, exactly. Like, it it was, felt like it yeah. just happened quickly and naturally. And then she goes to Australia, Dave, your homeland, and the way she took over. Yeah, but mm-hmm. in this, the first episode was so Diana and Cent- and, and Dodie that it was like, does the queen even matter? I will say, by the second episode, I feel like that was not necessarily corrected, but that was certainly not something that I thought about. But all, uh, the cinematography, you want to talk about cinematography, holy shit. Not just the shots, but it was all motivated and all carried everything forward. But the yachts, the sunsets, the beach, but it never felt sexy. It's, it was never, uh, yes, I, of mm. course, I was like, God, I wish I could just be on a yacht in, in <laughs> San Tropez. Of course, I thought that. But at the same time, it was also like, she's not at peace there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like right. even there, the paparazzis are on a boat, like attacking her. Like she, she can't even hide in the bathroom of the boat and be at peace. And it's like, that was there. It was looming the mm-hmm. whole time. It was a very, very powerful. Yeah. It was a very, very powerful. It was four shitty. Episodes. And ahead. honestly, I would, I would, I would try to watch them. Obviously, you could take breaks, but like. So this is this first dump is only four. Four episodes, and yeah, then it's December. The new it's thing the on middle streaming. of December. The middle of December, okay. and we're gonna get the other four. Oh, I thought it was gonna wow, be another her six. Death just in time for Christmas. Yeah. 
Well, she's our yeah. Okay, the, de- that, the death that, already happened. Good. Okay, that's good to know because you know again we we have all these billboards everywhere and they all have the part one this day, part two that day. But in my head, I just assumed there might be more than four episodes in each part. So it's it's just. I thought it was going to be four, four and six, but I, I, the last thing I saw was four and four. So if I'm wrong about that, cool man. Fuck no, no, you. no, that's great. That's smart. That, no, I think you just said the right thing. I think four is the amount that people can do all at once if they want to. I think they want people to just zoop. You yeah, know, just yeah. go right through the whole thing. And I think that seems to be um, model these days. I think this is it. I, I, I think they've always planned six seasons, even though yeah. technically, if you do it by the decade, no, I've, I've she heard had... it is ending. Yeah. So it's, I mean, as of right now, we're, we're in 1997. Yeah. So how do you get to 2023? I, I guess they're not going to. Or, or maybe yeah. um, Peter Morgan's just going to give up and in 10 years they'll finish it. I, I don't know. But. Anyway, and also they gave Dom- Dominic West like a really good series. I'm not going to say which episode or when, but there was a time where I'm, I'm like, like, okay, King Charles Here's actually the... has a moment because fuck King Charles for the most part. Here's the here's like the ballsiest thing they they could they could do. What if the very last episode is a flash forward, and like Maggie Smith is the queen on like the la- in like the last year of her life or something. I was wondering that would who be the, so I was, fucking cool. I was they wondering. They just jump all the way forward, and they're like, "You've been alive for all this. Yeah. Everybody's watching, kind of knows what happened over the past, mm. you know, two decades or so, and we're just going to end this thing." God, or what if it's fucking? Awesome. Or what if it was like Air, where they just said, "And then in the 2010s, and they just like fucking played out the girls <laughs> at the end, like constant uh, Charles getting the phone call, yeah. drops." Yeah. So, and another thing, it's only part one, and no, because Diana, I mean, it's all about Diana in the mid 90s, but like Prince Philip has a couple moments. Princess Margaret. Yeah, it's another one later too that wasn't so popular. (laughs) Anyway, I I can't wait for the second part. But these birthday cancels, dude. You know how much you have to fuck up to get your birthday canceled by the Queen. That uh, Jeff, I'm so glad you you're enjoying it, dude. That show has not been like underrated, but I think it's the gold standard. I I do too. I have thought it is brilliant. Almost yep. every single season, I have found way more to love than to not love. Yeah. Anybody who hates on that show, I think it's just absolutely think, fantastic. I've never watched it. I just it. don't know if it's appreciated as much as it should be. I think, too, the um, I, I know Succession was great, and, and there's always the standard bearer, and it's going to win all the Emmys and everything. But I feel like this has been the, 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 the standard bearer, the gold standard for the past couple of years because... It is cinema. It is. I mean, the scale, I, I can only, I, I do wish I saw this on a huge screen. Like, it has that scope for sure. Each episode is kind of standalone, even though it obviously segues, it kind of pulls everything together. But also, the, the way they do it is so series-esque. So it really feels like all of the all of the best, the best of all of the worlds kind of pulled into one. And this, the, <laughs> the even number seasons are always the best for me. I love yeah. the first season, for sure. But four is better than three, and six is better than four. Like, it's just, it's just the way it goes. These for me, I still develop. think, I still think, I think two is my favorite season, but that's just oh, my yeah. I haven't watched any of them since yeah. then, but I remember really, really, but four, really loving that season. When, when Diana first comes in, for us, we're like raving about the crown right now. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's worth it, Dave. <laughs> All right, great. Next week, 2019. 2019. Happy Thanksgiving, Happy motherfuckers. Thanksgiving. Yeah, Dave. What? <laughs> You're the best. Um, <laughs> do, do, do people in Australia know what Thanksgiving is? Do we yes. like? Oh, yes, we do. Of, when is it in canada that. it's in october do you guys have a thanksgiving or? no we don't yeah sure no you never you don't just kill a you bird one, you don't kill one specific animal people. the whole yeah <laughs> yeah the whole country doesn't and then kill one animal to apologize thing, but we won't even get started on that uh <laughs> all right this is for all of us friends yeah go see some bergman's thank you so much and we'll see you next week